Can you believe that America is 2019 years old? 2019 years ago is when God made the heavens and the earth. I want my book. Nick Durheim. It's 2019. We're here. We're recording a podcast. I am EJ Olson. This morning, I had a fucking root canal. And let me tell you, it was an unpleasant experience. I can imagine. Have you ever had a root canal? I don't believe I've even had a cavity since I lost my baby teeth. Oh my God. Yeah, I have I have heartburn because I'm 80 and it's like fucked up my teeth. And like, you know, it's like eroding the fucking enamel on my teeth. So even though I take care of my teeth, I'm starting to like have issues. I, you know, I haven't had issues in ages other than putting off my wisdom teeth. And so I go in and they're like... Oh yeah, you have to have like all these fillings and like a bu- like these teeth need to come out, whatever. And then so he did a filling on one tooth that had been fucked up because it was right next on wisdom tooth, which is all fucked up. And he and he was drilling into me last week, and he hits the pulp, and I jump. He's like, "Did you feel that?" And I was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> like I can't talk. Uh-huh. I got fucking metal in my mouth and shit. And bro, it was so painful. He hit that nerve, and I was like. Dunzo. He's like, he's like, well, shit, we're gonna have to do a root canal. And I was like, no. So he's like, well, we'll 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 fill it. I'll put some filling uh, filler in by the pulp, and we'll we'll fill it, and then we'll see how you do, dude. I was in so much pain all week. So I, that feeling was on Friday the twenty eighth, and just all week has just been miserable. And every day the pain's gotten worse. I, I was popping pain pills. It's irritating because I went into the dentist, Nick. I went in, and he said. Have you had any pain, discomfort, sensitivity to hot, cold, sweets? I'm like, nothing at all. He's like, that's shocking. And then I leave the fucking dentist with a filling and I'm just in excruciating pain. So I went back today and I was like, well, I finally had that sensitivity to hot, cold, sweets that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. And it sucks. I drove to Portland last night, Nick, and then went to my dentist in Beaverton and then drove back to Eugene for work today. Boy, when that numbness wore off. I was fucking done. I walked right back out of work about three hours later and said, I'll see you boys tomorrow. Uh Uh-uh. Not today. But now we we, got to record. So all of that, that was a long-winded story just to say, hey, I'm here for the podcast. I'm here for you. I'm here for the people. And we jumping in. You're going to say something and your teeth are going to collide in a a strange manner and you're going to be knocked unconscious and I'll have to finish this pod by myself. I took a shit ton of pain pills. I ate. I hydrated well. uh, And I, I... wrote off some emails and I feel productive and relatively pain-free right now. So fingers crossed that that holds up through the, this podcast. I just said that weird through about Nick, when's the last time you and I hung out? Last time you and I hung out, I think was two days before Christmas. Did we see each other after Christmas at all? We, we didn't. We hung, I did. I came over to your house before Christmas and we gorged on cookies mm-hmm. and watched the Grinch and just kind of had a very lazy evening. That was super nice. That was a great time. I was I was hoping to have some more of the them lazy days, man. But we just got caught up with Christmas and all those shenanigans. So I just figured we we do a brief rundown of how our Christmas was. What we play. What we get for Christmas. Did we get anything gaming related? I certainly did. So yeah, you showed me a little preliminary glance of some of the the goodies that you that you received. Christmas is hard the older you get because. You know, I really only do gifts with my girlfriend. Christmas has always been kind of our thing. And lately, the last few years, it's just we don't have the 
extra funds like we used to to do whatever we want for Christmas. And so even that's become less kind of all out. And so now really the only gifts I buy really is a little bit for Sarah and then I spoil Daniel. Um, and so Christmas is always weird. And, you know, my mom will be like, what do you want? I'm like, well, if I wanted it, I would have bought it for myself already. <laughs> the, well, that's the one on one hand. It's like I can buy whatever I want when I want it, unless it's too expensive. And if it's too expensive, you're certainly not going to buy it. So it's like, right. Or I don't know exactly what it is that I'm looking for. And I don't trust you to make that decision either. Yeah. I'd love a new car, mom. (laughs) Or I'd love a new computer component. Give me some more Ram. I don't even know what kind of Ram I want. You know, like I can't ask for that from her. Right. Right. Like uh, if you could wipe out my debt and uh, maybe this crippling existential dread, that'd be great. Merry Christmas and happy new year. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I just told everybody who did ask me what I wanted. I just said, get me an eShop card. You know, I figured 25 bucks, will, you know, I'll be perfectly happy. Grab some indies that have been in my, my wish list is 43 games long right now. Damn, dude, that's a lot. You know what sucks? When you buy a game off your wish list, it doesn't delete it from your wish list either. So you have to manually go back in and delete it. I found that out the hard way when I had a, half my wish list uh, at the end of the year was just games that said you already own this game. <laughs> And you can't just like add a bunch of things to your cart and check out all at once either. You have to go one by one. It's a big pain in the ass. Classic Nintendo. And they put you through all that hassle and still are not inundating us with that smooth eShop jazz. You know what I'm saying? What's up with that? At least the online eShop, I think you can do a cart system and buy all at once. I'm not sure. I don't use the the browser-based one as often as the the console one because it's usually just like, oh, I want to browse through on a on a lark you know oh, see yeah. what the heck has come out recently lark, that, I, yeah. that i don't know about let me check out this mobile trash and maybe have a chuckle at the bad google translation they did for this japanese visual novel right and you know get the heck out of there did you have a good christmas no yeah it was great we literally haven't even talked like we we exchanged some memes and and said hey let's record next week and that's really the extent of it general you know fr- friendly pleasantries <laughs> amongst peers <laughs> <laughs> oh man i tell you man it was hard to come back and get back to work dude after all that time off it's been nice i i started uh yesterday and i don't know i'd like being at work because it's just solitude for me and yeah. that's a that's a good thing whereas if i feel like i'm at home being alone then i feel like less productive but if i'm at work i'm like well i'm here i'm getting paid and it's just a nice change of pace for me. I feel you. And I'm jealous that you you kind of work by yourself and you can just, you can hone in on a podcast and you can, you're making your money and you're just doing your thing. And that's, you know, I, I very much value my solitude, but that's when I'm home and completely undisturbed. Because I'm at work, I'm surrounded by people and mostly hate it. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know. And I like being around people, but it's, I can imagine it getting tough in a work scenario. Like I only worked at a retail place for i don't know like nine months and there were other things about that job that i hated but i didn't really hate having co-workers that, that wasn't like a, a downside for me it was just that some of them were actual shitholes no i quite enjoy um several of my co-workers and get along with a couple of them real well we go out for drinks every once in a while and and that's nice but just being an introvert it's like being on around people is like i'm good at it like a lot of the time i've seen you you're good at socializing and having a little small talk and banter and crap. Yeah. Like I can be, but it's, it's exhausting and I still dread it. Like, like Saturday I was playing Spyro Friday, Saturday, and I was like 
I'm trying to platinum Spiral 1, and I'm so into it. And that's all I played over break, pretty much. And I was so close. And I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking platinum this shit. And I had to tear myself away to go to this work party. And the whole time, I'm like, I have an anxiety, butterflies, my heart's pounding. I'm like deep breathing. I take a shower. I'm like, fuck, I have to go do this thing and go see people. And like, oh my God, I got to leave my car at the studio and take an Uber home. And I have to go meet all the wives and make small talk. I was just dreading it. But then I went and I had a drink. I had a grand old time. And it was a blast. And then I got home and I was like, thank God that's over. (laughs) But you had uh, a week away from work right just this the one week i had 13 days away from work well away from 13 days my company not away from right. work necessarily <laughs> right yeah because you can work at home and do that kind of stuff yeah i had uh i had two shoots i had two shoots right i did i had two shoots back to back what did i do that was like on the 21st 22nd that was so long ago but i had two shoots and then uh just a bunch of like end of year back end crap i was trying to get out before the end of the year for tax reasons so mm. like all my own Stuff I'm just trying to like finish and get off to clients and like deal with. So but that's okay because I sat at my parents' house in my underwear. So that was fine. Right. I was in pain for most of it, but it was good. It was a good break. Yeah, man. That's that's a bummer. Being an adult sucks. Uh, I'll just say it right now. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted this. I get a break from from real life, except for now I have to go have someone drill into my fucking face with a 10-inch needle and cause me all sorts of duress. And then you have to say the words, hit the pulp, and I have to cringe inwardly collapsing myself like a black hole <laughs> uh did you get any uh any video game goodies for christmas i did max got me valkyria chronicles 4 okay he's been playing that which yeah he's he's been really into it i haven't opened it yet because i've just been putzing along in xenoblade chronicles 2 torna okay and that's a game that you could probably be in 20 hours i'm currently i think 15 hours in but i've just been so delighted and doing like shitty side quest stuff that i'm distracting myself that into that game into oblivion so i just have not really made a lot of story progress or real progress in any sort i'm just like oh i want to fight five of these things it's like doing quests in an mmo you know it's like it doesn't mean a thing You're it's just, just doing the thing methodical Go to the place. yeah and and brainless just nice zoning out hearing the great tunes the music's fantastic that's the key you have to have good tunes if you're gonna do just mindlessly grind Dude, it's so jazzy and nice. The battle theme reminds me of the, um, of, well, not the event mode, but you know the the theme in Smash Melee when you'd be doing like break the targets or home run contest or like the event matches, I think. Yeah. Where it's just that piano going and then it just has that crazy solo. That's how the battle music is in Torna and you're battling a lot and the battles are kind of happening really passively. Like you're just sort of spinning plates as opposed to like hitting your cooldowns and swapping out your characters at the right time and all that kind of stuff. It's just really zone and zen yeah kind of uh rpg gameplay i feel like that's definitely uh something that i like to do when it comes to gaming but there's a middle ground between like dynasty warriors hack and slash that like so much so that's boring and then like of course something like i just went ham on like the shiny hunting in pokemon let's go where it's like i'm not doing anything but something about it i'm just engaged enough and it's just mindless enough that like I can sit here and I'm satisfied, but still able to do other things. Like there's a weird middle ground, and there's I don't know what the formula is. Like how right do we reach this nirvana? <laughs> and like logically and rationally, I can look at that gameplay and think, well, this isn't really challenging me in any way. Yeah. And because it's an RPG, and because the nature of an RPG is that you get stronger the more you play, it's getting easier the more I'm doing it too. So it's it's not it's not difficult. It's just a thing to do. 
So I, I'm not going to go as far as to say this is like my bread and butter. It's my kind of game I want to play all year round. But like when I'm having two weeks off and I just want to sit and like have a TV going and play something on my Switch, then like, yeah, that's the kind of game I'd want to play. See, that's interesting because that makes sense for you. So like something like Animal Crossing, which we both put some time into, into New Leaf on the 3DS, you were very much about... I'm just going to putz and enjoy the music and I'm going to talk to my neighbors and do my daily. Do the dailies, dude. That's what that game is to me. You're the kind of person who wants to min max and grind out and time skip and all that kind of crap. Yeah. But for a thing like Animal Crossing, I want to play that game for an hour every day and get it all done and be like, tomorrow's going to be a cool day too. I wonder if it's going to be raining. I wonder what time I'm going to log in and hear the song if I'm going to log in and check out KK's little concert or whatever. Right. Go, go give that police dog his three apples or what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting how in that respect you and I are so different. But then when it comes to like real games, I don't like a, a high level of challenge. Like, you know, Dark, Dark Souls. I fuck, fuck that. That's just too hard for me to care enough about. You know what I mean? I don't want that much yeah. of a challenge. And so right. I feel like I, I float in this middle space, whereas you have like two extremes depending on your mood. I think the thing that I like the most about Dark Souls is that it reminds me of a fighting game with like knowing what is safe and the frame data of like, oh, okay, if I block, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be in block stun for this amount of time. And I can't let, I can't get ganged up on by two different characters. It's less of a power fantasy and more like a puzzle yeah. every time you're approaching it. And my favorite thing about fighting games is that kind of aspect of like, okay, what do I do in what scenario? I'm trying to like, think about that on the fly while having this pressure and like this threat of you being sent back. But in a fighting game, it's you playing against another person, yeah. which is a infinitely more difficult opponent than a CPU. But Dark Souls gives you the opportunity to fight several different types of enemies and they all have different kind of attacks and you're in situations that you wouldn't normally be in a, a fighting game, especially when there's like 3D terrain around you and there's a bunch of different like buffs and debuffs and weapons that you're swapping in between like it's really expansive in that regard and i like having that for like if a game i'm trying to focus on but if uh, there's no way i'm going to play dark souls and watch tv at the same time right. even having a tv on in the background is going to throw me off so it's nice to have you know you're focusing games and then you're more chill out zone out games yeah it's interesting that you said it's like a it's like a puzzle like you took the words right out of my mouth because when i think of some of the other games that you're really into it's it is a it, you know putting your brain to work and and you know, your favorite thing about Breath of the Wild, for example, you always said is is the shrines and those puzzles where I am more drawn to the combat aspect, which is why the weapon breaking, the whole weapon system of Breath of the Wild was so much more infuriating for me than it was for so many other people because I'm more drawn to the action adventure aspect than I am the puzzle solving and the slow methodical, you know, because I'm an idiot. That's why. <laughs> the way we approached combat was different too because I didn't have that kind of, oh, I have to save this for later mentality i did for a little bit but i kind of got over it it's like i'm just gonna use all my weapons if i'm in a combat scenario if i use my weapons i'm gonna get better weapons afterwards anyway so that that was generally a loop that fed itself and it was more the the fear the fear was the worst part of like breaking your weapons actually breaking them wasn't that bad because you usually picked up other stuff that's true what a fucked up mind game that they're playing with us man I can't remember who said it. Said it was a quest for confidence. Like if you picked up Breath of the Wild now and, and you started over again, you'd probably have a much better time with the combat than you did initially. Well, I mean, I, I got comfortable with the combat after ten or fifteen hours when you finally start getting, you know, anything but sticks. I'm, I'm less about the the combat, like the mechanics of it, and more the systems in play around it with like the weapons. 
and the breakage and that kind of stuff. I've thought about going back to that game. Oh, I've thought about it too. I can't, <laughs> but I've thought about it. I just, I feel like I, when I beat it, I said, I'm not going to play this game again. And I've thought about, you know, I hear the jingle or the little startup tune. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. Yep. <laughs> That's it for me too. You know, it, it, it gets its hook in you and you're like, ah, right, maybe I want to go back. But I'm afraid to start a new game and I can't jump into an old game. And I never did the DLC. And I'm like, there's so much wrong with that game, in my opinion. And I've played so many great open world action adventure RPG lights that I'm just like, is that game going to do what I needed to do for me? I don't, but I don't know. I thought about it though, which I didn't think I'd even get back to this point. Did here I am. It's, it's definitely a great game. So you got Valkyria Chronicles with, that's how we got set down this path. Right. Which everyone says it's like fire emblem mostly, which intrigues me because I really, really love fire emblem games. And I, I really like turn-based strategy like that, which is weird because you were just talking about how you don't like puzzles. And that they make you feel dumb. And I feel like depending on how easy Babby mode they kind of implement it, like, you know, OG Fire Emblem games, you had a set number of like missions and you couldn't grind experience. Like you were given what you were given. And if a character died, they died forever. And you always play like not that way, even though you reset it if you don't get it right. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. You weirdo. Well, <laughs> so. Because... I, I, I do reset because I want a flawless game and I want to get all the characters and I don't want anyone to die. Some people, some, some people will say, oh, well, why don't you just play it on baby mode then so they come back? I'm like, well, then you play differently. You play recklessly. If I know that they're going to come back, I'm not going to play it strategically. But they're still also, they're going to have less experience. You're still going to have a, there's still a risk to that. Yeah. I think you should, you should try and live with your consequences in one of those games just to see how that plays out. Okay. To see how if it actually would negatively affect your future experience or if it would let you explore and try and play differently. It's like, oh, well, I lost this axe guy, so I have to try out this axe guy. I'd be like, oh, this axe guy is actually pretty good too. I think I think that would actually be interesting to go back and play like Fire Emblem Awakening again. Especially since you've played that game to death. Yeah. And, and I did all the alternate endings or all not the alternate endings, but the um, spoiler alert. Uh, you pair up characters, they have kids that come back from the future and then you can play their stories or their side missions or whatever. And so I played all those and that'd, that'd be interesting just to see what happens uh, and and not luck of the draw, but get good or suffer, you know? Right. And I wonder what the uh, implementation of that kind of stuff will be in Three Houses and also when that game's coming out, if you're going to even have time to go back to something like Awakening or Fates, Fates well, before that. So... You know, on that little update pod that I rambled on last week, I talked about how I kindly is finally going through my collection in the garage, which I've mentioned multiple times throughout the months. But I finally like I bought new racks, storage racks for my garage, completely emptied my garage of all trash. I organized everything into bins and then I unloaded the bins. I had the games and I made two tables, a sell pile and a keep pile, sorted everything, moved all the keep stuff into my room, as you can tell. Behind me, Nick, all my games are laid out there. Like I, I don't know if you can tell. A little NES, a little Super Nintendo, a little, a little N64 right there. Uh, and then my closet's full with all the strategy guides and all the miscellaneous stuff that I wanted to keep. Right on. That that closet's been empty for far too long. This is true. Now it's fucking packed. But my cell table, I've got like a friggin' nine-foot table just up to the brim and then shelves above it just filled with things I'm organizing, cataloging, and pricing and got to get rid of. Uh, but going through it, I found like I've got the special edition for the last two Fire Emblem games that I haven't played. 
Like, dude, it's been years. What's wrong with me? Well, 3DS is a bad console. Well, that's true. And Awakening was also so, like, moving for me. Like, it, it, it altered my, my life, Nick. Not necessarily. But it was so good. And I enjoyed it so much that going to anything else that looked exactly like it, but wasn't exactly like it. These weren't my characters, and this wasn't my story, but it looks and smells just like it. Why? And it, that right. turned me off to it. That's kind of funny. That's interesting. Yeah. And, but I got these special editions. I'm like, okay, so when fucking the next game comes out on Switch, I'm going to spend all the money in the world on the special edition. I'm not going to play that either. But I will play it, Nick, because it's a brand new console and it looks pretty and I can play it on my TV or on the go. And, you know, that's that's incentive enough. The 3DS, though, anytime you played a game, it always felt like a chore. Like you had to get over the hump of getting to the 3DS, booting the thing up, going through the process of telling yourself, this is going to look like shit. It's going to control like shit. It's going to sound like shit. But I need to just get over that to enjoy this game. That's not there with the Switch. I don't have to work myself up, you know? I feel like the 3DS is the N64 of handhelds, where people think they like it more than they actually do. In that sense, maybe, yeah. The N64 sucks. I, I literally kept five N64 games. The screen resolution on both the screens was not good enough for the, the 3D models they're trying to pop out on it. Like, there's a few pixel art kind of games. Is it that the DS had more and yeah. the DS wasn't encumbered by a bad circle pad? The DS wasn't perfect either, but it was like a super duper NES when the Game Boy Advance was a super NES. Right. If the Game Boy Advance just had four freaking face buttons, it would have been a perfect console. I agree that the 3DS is, is similar to the 64 in some ways, but there are a lot more actually good games like the n64 is bad because the games are bad and the interface is bad and the graphics are bad and the cartridges are bad like everything about it is just bad compared to the competition especially compared to the competition i would say the n64 highs are a lot higher than the playstation one highs oh you can be a nintendo guy and be like mario kart's great but like crash team racing is right here like in my opinion i'll take spyro and we'll get to this because i've been playing spyro like a motherfucker bro those games hold up so well as just like old school collectathons, they look amazing. They feel great. They're just enough of a platforming challenge, just enough of a collectathon to like be satisfying, but don't overstay their welcome. Like I take Spiral one and two over fucking Mario sixty four any goddamn day of the week. Uh, I mean, I would put Spiral probably closer to the the likes of like Banjo Kazooie, but I haven't played enough of Spiral to really get a, a firm grasp on that. They went more for the the cutesy cutscene stuff with the bad voice acting. Right. It was a choice that they made because they had, you know, CD-ROM with all of its 56 megabytes of storage or whatever it is. Right. No, I agree that obviously, like, culturally, like, the the perception of these games, Mario's the bigger game. But I, I would argue that you play both of them side to side, and you want to talk about graphics, you want to talk about mechanics, you want to talk about sound design and music, and just playability, I would argue that is going to win every time. Removing the nostalgia, which is not a realistic case. Well, that's not true. We could have the nine-year-old sit down and play both of them on their original consoles back to back, and let you know someone who's well versed in modern games, but without the lens of time clouding their opinion. Well, they still have the lens of what are games like nowadays. Sure, to cloud their opinion, there's always going to be a bias. There's also a kid who loves OG Frogger. Daniel bought my dad a... Okay, so he's obviously wrong. He's a, he's a dumb kid then, is what well, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, he loves like Dig Dug. He's got a Dig Dug plug and play with like Pac-Man and Dig Dug, and then he bought my dad this year a Frogger plug and play, and that's all they freaking played. It's like, bro, I bought you Smash Bros <laughs> and Crash. You'd rather just hang out with Dig Dug and Frogger? He's fucking playing Frogger. Like, what the fuck, asshole? 
I had a I had a version of Frogger on my uh, PC when I was a little kid. I don't remember why or how. I think it must have been like one of those dollar bin pickups at uh, Office Depot or something. Oh, I feel yeah. like we got a, quite a few games from there, but I remember playing Frogger. I also had a game those uh, Atomic Bomberman, oh. and it had little voice clips that would play when the your character died. Right. And it had some from Billy West. Who the fuck is Billy West? He's the voice of Fry and Doctor or Professor Farnsworth from um, Futurama. He's done a lot of voices. Oh, you really? would recognize him. Okay, yeah. yeah. Dude, Office Depot, back home, the Office Depot was right next to CD Game Exchange. Yeah, and uh, like Big Lots. And Yeah, Big Lots. I always remember going to that CD Game Exchange back in the day when, when my mom was at Office Depot. Or Michael's and uh, Big Five. Was it? God damn. No, the Big Five was yeah, the Dicks. Turned into the di- Or no, it was G.I. Joe. Ah, fuck, man. I don't remember. Yeah, it was G.I. Joe's. Uh, but I always, I remember just always, yeah, sitting at that city game exchange and looking at all the things I I wanted and couldn't afford. But Office Depot, you're right. My mom always bought like crappy PC games at Office Depot. Uh, you're talking about like plug and plays and stuff like that. But I always remember her buying the PC games. They had a little section over there. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was never like the the big box games necessarily. It was more the, you know, CD-ROM jewel case. Yeah, kind of games, crappy educational games. Although I'm pretty sure some of those humongous entertainment games must have come from Office Depot. Oh, definitely. Like where else was my mom shopping that they were selling CD-ROMs like that at that time? Or thus they were part of like the Scholastic Book Fair kind of things. Yeah, I'm sure some of them came from there. I know from this elementary school, every summer we got the, I think it was the Clue Finders. You know what I'm talking about? It came with like a workbook, yeah. and you took home over the summer, and then it was like you know, third grade clue finders. And it was a story, but it had like math and puzzle solving and stuff. I played another one similar to that. That was like, it was just called like fourth grade adventures, fifth grade adventures had this weird little floating backpack thing and a bunch of multicultural kids hanging out, solving puzzles at a, at an Island with weird Beatles references or they're in a graveyard doing division. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm talking about. Clue finders. Not right. Hold on. I got to find this out. I don't know if it was clue finders. I just remember the adventures as part of the title. Clue finders. Oh God, it was so the clue finders. Oh my God. Let me send you this picture real quick. This is a send hoot. Me a picture. This is a hoot. See, it was fifth grade adventures though. What's yeah. up? I just said, I don't remember the clue finders thing. They had one for every, uh, every grade. Yeah. That's the one I remember playing the most was the living volcano one because I had this like weird, this weird bug puzzle. Yes. And there was a, uh, I actually looked up videos of from fifth grade adventures. There was a weird, what Spanish inquisition joke reference thing with these monkeys that were wearing like conquistador helmets and stuff hold on i i can't believe we talked about this but there's an aladdin educational game in that same vein uh and that you swear you don't remember it but i i have this distinct memory of playing it with you in the library at north gresham elementary and for a while i thought you had beaten it but now I think it was another kid and his older brother who like sat there and beat it over a lunch period. And I was like blown away. They were, like, they were older than me. And I was like, Oh my God. But it was the same thing where it was like, it was just a weird educational game full of puzzles and math problems. Don't remember that one at all. Do you remember at North Gresham when they had the uh, old Macs before they got the colored ones, there was a game installed in every single computer in the school. That was a breakout clone called Chinese Brickle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I cannot find that game anywhere on the internet. I don't remember it being called Chinese Brickle. I don't remember that, but I distinctly remember the game because they had those old computers even after they upgraded to the Macs. The link would say Brickle, but the start screen said Chinese Brickle. And you can't find anything, huh? Nothing. Dude, I've done extensive searching. Well, it seems weird because those th- that those had to be stock on those old Macs. 
So you figure they'd be easy to find. Just like what that bug game was, the Bugs Adventure, or uh, that Jetpack Dinosaur game that came pre-installed on the, the, what were those colored Macs called? The IMAX, the 8 point? The IMAX, as all I know, the IMAC was the line. Yeah. With the colors. Uh, Okay, we have to turn to Reddit. I have to, I'm going to go in one of the old Apple forums and... Yeah, you need to you need to stretch stretch your muscles and try to flex them and try to figure out what that where that game came from or what happened to it because I've looked, okay? I can't even find screenshots. Like I, I could find breakout clones on for, for Macintosh. That's you, not hard. You want the I can one. find Reader Rabbit. I can find but I want the one. Yeah. I totally feel you. And find some janky Apple II emulator, you know? Oh dude. You don't even want to know the you don't even want to know the kind of Apple emulators I've tried installing just so I could try and play that goddamn dinosaur game where you're saving eggs and you have a rocket pack. Hey, you know what? I just popped Reddit open. I got to toot my own horn here, Nick. Your boy made a viral may-may. I hit that front page, that top 15 on the front page, bro. It was nuts. It was crazy. It was a whirlwind of an evening. <laughs> <laughs> so much karma. Yeah. My karma went up by 10,000 yesterday. It was insane. What? 10,000? Uh, dude, so that was a hoot. But what really got me was A, it was OC, dude. It was OC. I came to me in a dream and I was like, I have to do this. I tried to run it by you because I needed your approval. And I was like, fine, I'll ask Reddit instead. And then by the time I got home to Portland, it was at like 12K and I woke up and it was like 25K. And I was like, oh, Lordy. You just hit that golden point where there just wasn't anything fresh. Someone, it caught someone's attention scrolling through new on prequel memes or whatever. It was Marvel Studios, I'm guessing. Yeah. Dude, you should you should do a do a prequels meme for uh, or I guess that'd be sequel meme for Rogue One with Donnie Yen. That'd be that's still a prequel meme. Is that prequel? Rogue One, yeah, yeah it totally it's, is. Yeah, yeah, do it with Donnie. Oh, dude, dude, you're so right, Nick. Okay, let's brainstorm <laughs> this after the pod because I think that's a good idea. We there's something there if it hasn't been done already. Because what's his what's his role as like uh, he's he's trying to be a defender of the Kyber crystals or whatever. Yeah, he he was like a defend. He was like guarded the the. Some sacred documents, the Journal of the Wills. Yeah, I'm trying to think, but he has like a, a specific title that he is pretending to be or is actually. Is, or was. And now like they're pseudo, pseudo Jedi. Yeah, now person. they're just vagrants on Jedi or whatever the fuck yeah. they're at, you know? Yeah, I think it was Jedi. Uh, but what love what I love about this meme is that like we've been quoting this and being goofy, uh, doing fucking Mickey Rourke impressions for years. Where is my board? This is not my Bort. Mickey Rourke, known Russian actor. Yeah, Mickey Bort. <laughs> we always do that a little bit, and so when this came to me, I did a bird box meme fucking parody. Uh, Bort bucks. So I got a hoot out of that. So anyway. Really struck the nerve of the cultural zeitgeist. If only we could get some Concert Crusade to, to, to ping that 25K, bro. Think about that. See, at least that's the nice thing about Twitter virality is that it's sort of become the status quo that if someone goes viral on Twitter, they like link their SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah. So if you got viral on Twitter, then you could link our podcast. Uh, I no, alas, I, I don't think there's any click through on any of the the second tweets on a viral tweet, so it doesn't really matter. But it's just like, well, I tried to I tried to get this thing going on Twitter. I just I threw it up at the same time I put it on Reddit, and I like hashtagged it because I was like, if someone sees it and it, it takes off, like. That's exactly my thought. It's a different meme landscape in Twitter versus Reddit. It's totally true. I didn't think it was going to do anything on on Reddit, but I put it up and then like two minutes later I had a shit ton of hits and I was like, uh-oh, 
So I deleted it and went and put a watermark on it in case it got big. <laughs> like I put my handle on it, hidden, just just in case, and then reposted it. <laughs> Goober. I, dude. OC, don't steal. Dude, fake internet points, bro. This is why I'm here today, okay? No, but that's the thing is that you're going to get dividends if people actually give a shit. Then if it gets reposted, like, yo, credits, credit where credit is due and they'll like tag you and stuff. Especially if you've got that Reddit gold and you actually can see your tags. I can't wait to listen to this in 10 years and be like, fucking jack off being excited about a shitty meme on Reddit for 12 hours. Fucking loser. Hey, you think you're going to, it's going to take 10 years to feel shame for that. And, and, and B, you're going to be listening to this in 10 years. Well, I'm not going to be listening to it any sooner. Well, I guess I have to edit it. You're listening to it t- t- tonight and tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Anyway, dude, <laughs> this has been a 40 minute Christmas catch up. Bro, you've mentioned that you've been playing Spyro, but you have not mentioned any other games that you've received. Okay. <laughs> I I got $150 accumulated in eShop cards. That's a lot of indie games. And there's been actually some pretty good sales over the past few weeks. Okay, we'll jump right into the eShop. I bought South Park 1 and 2, Guacamelee 1 to replay before I buy the second one. Right. Civ 5. 6, you mean? Civ 6, that's what I meant. Uh, which, I got thoughts on that game. We'll come back to it. I bought Grim Fandango for a few bucks because it was way on sale and I had to. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. I bought a digital copy or a dead sale so I could quit carting my physical cart with me. Carting it. Um, I bought Rogue Legacy for the umpteenth time. Love that oh. game. Still want to check out their other game they put out more recently. Full Metal Furries or whatever. Full Metal Furries? I should know. It's Full Metal game. Furies, but that's a bad name and I'm going to call it Full Metal Furries. Okay, all right. Uh, the last game I bought was Diablo. Everyone I know is playing Diablo, and they said, yo, you have to buy it. So I bought it on sale, haven't even opened it once. That's because, like I said, I spent the first week of break only playing Spider-Man. I would wake up, uh, and I had, like, my body's on this weird sleep schedule, Nick, where, like, if I go to bed at, like, 3 a.m., I'm still going to wake up at 7.45, which fucks me up. So, like, yeah, I don't like that. on break, I'll stay up late, you know, I'll be out later, I'll stay up later, but I'm still waking up early. So I'd wake up early, I'd play Spider-Man for a couple hours, Daniel would come in. I started a new game on Spider-Man for him to play. So I'd pass the controller to him and then I'd fall back to sleep for two hours and wake up and be like, all right, get the hell out of here. You've been playing way too long. And I'd play Spider-Man again for a few hours. So I, I, I hundred percented the rest of the last two DLCs. I got to say the wrap up was weird. It total story-wise is a total disjointed mess. Mm, that's a bummer to hear. You were pretty stoked after the first, the first uh, chapter of it. I really was, man. They set up this great fucking chemistry and this great like the sordid past with with Black Cat and and Peter Parker and like and I was really curious to see where it went. And at the end of it, spoiler alert for Spider Man DLC, you know it, she seemingly explodes, Hammerhead fucking kills her supposedly. She doesn't show up or is mentioned at all in the second one, and in the third one, halfway through the story, she shows up, gives you the MacGuffin, or is like, hey, here's the thing, bye. And you're like, okay, she's alive and gone now. Like that I was like, that fucking sucked. A really weak payoff. That's yeah, a bummer. And Hammerhead got turned into a weird fucking transformer. It was really weird. Like it wasn't bad. The characterization of the, the villain was still interesting and the journey they send you on looking for this and that. And there were a couple of new gameplay mechanics that were interesting. And it was just more Spider-Man, which I was okay with. So it wasn't disappointing to the to the degree that it was more detrimental than if it hadn't existed. 
Right. You know, exactly. It, it was it was worth, I think, probably the money if you liked that game. Like playing that game. Yeah, if you enjoy playing that game. You like the the loop of point A, point B, beat up some bad guy, go collect the thing, point A, point B, rinse, repeat. Um, and Yuri Lowenthal's really grown on me as Peter. I really didn't like him at first. And by the end of the game, I was like, ah, he's fine. But he's no Jake Johnson, but he's fine. You know, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I got thoughts about that movie, too. But yeah, no, Yuri, he really grew on me. By the end of it, I said, OK, I forgot that you're a 60 year old ass man. But this is this works for me. Like the, this is Peter Parker. When I watched into the Spider-Verse, I found myself thinking like, hey, Jake Johnson, that's weird. Chris Pine, that's fucking weird. And I was just like, well, Yuri Lowenthal is Peter Parker, which is really weird because I, I really didn't like him at first. So I did all that, Nick, and then Spyro. Nick, I need you to play Spyro. And I know just because I'm singing its praises and because I'm, you will find a way subconsciously or otherwise to not like it and we will disagree about it. But man, this game is fun. I 120%ed it. I platinumed it. I know I'm going to like it, but I want to play it on the Switch. I'm, dude, I don't, I think you should play it on PlayStation because it's not going to look anywhere near it. Like, Crash looked good. It was remake. It ground up. It looked nice. Spyro's gorgeous, dude. Crash looked nice on Switch. Dude, it's just, it was lower resolution, it's but blurry really, and fuzzy and weird. It doesn't matter if I'm holding it in my lap and I'm just sort of halfway focusing on it because that's a game you halfway focus on. You just have that little droning. Rep- repetitious music playing in the background like it's just sort of like yeah what's up i'm playing a 20 year old game but it just looks a lot better now the thing about spyro and what feels crazy to me is that they didn't really change the formula they didn't change the controls too much they didn't like it really is a pretty faithful remake after having played through the you know now beaten and completed the first one it's pretty faithful but it feels like a modern reimagining of the genre. And then that's why I think that game holds up so well. And I, I thought that before playing the PlayStation version of Sp- Spyro 2. But now seeing it completely rebuilt with modern controls. And Spyro didn't feel that way. Or sorry, Crash didn't feel that way. Crash felt... It felt good to me because it was like, this is what I remember. But the, it had its weird idiosyncrasies where like like the hit detection was weird. and Yeah, the feet were curved on the bottom and that right. actually affected the physics and stuff. Yeah, and like the, the depth was always weird. Like you didn't know. Like you didn't know what it wanted to be and that was a, a sort of a flaw of the time. Well, I think that was just always a problem also. Yeah. It was just, it was more forgivable because it was new-ish. Right. Um, I really have not experienced any of that. In the first Spyro game, the first Spyro game, there's a lot less to do than like getting into Spyro 2 and 3. It's very much like collect the guys, collect the coins, really light platforming, really easy boss battles. Very straightforward, very 1999 or whatever. You know what I mean? Where Spyro 2, like the platforming begins to sort of ramp up in difficulty and... I mean, Spyro 1 had it had a couple of things that I had to look up, and I was like, how would anyone have ever figured that out without not looking mm. that up? It's crazy difficulty spike for like one or two sections, and then it's back to normal. Um, whereas, like I said, Spyro 2, it, it definitely ramps up quicker, where it's like, all right, now... It, As a sequel should. Yeah, and it's it's not just like, all right, 100% this level, and then this level, and then this level. It's, oh, you have to unlock this section, you have to go to World 3 and unlock this power come back to recomplete this level. So it starts to weave and, and the platforming changes based on what powers you have and what you've unlocked later. And so it's, it's much more involved and much more in depth, but 
Dude, I'm telling you, man, I think you'll really like them. You were, you were like itching, you know, you bought a ukulele and you were playing that. And that is both praise and pan for being a very faithful recreation of an N64 era platformer. Right. And, you know, I think Spyro does it in a, a, a modern way that it just, it felt, it's so satisfying. I can't wait to dive into Spyro 2 now. I'm restarting that now that I've platinum the first one. Yeah, and I still need to play more ukulele. I got to the second world and have been obviously distracted by other games. Been playing, you know, Xenoblade over the break. Right. But I'll probably get back to ukulele, hopefully, because even like next week, I kind of want to get Mario because I never got to play that version on the Wii U. Yeah. And I've been sort of in the mood for a 2D uh, platformer. Okay. And, you know, I found this like YouTuber who does like, weird challenge playthroughs of all the new Mario games. And that sort of inspired me to try and give those a more of a fair shake, despite my kind of general distaste for the super vanilla bland art style. And that goes so far, you know, the art style and like the way it sounds, that's like what you're seeing and what you're hearing. That's most of the experience. So if that kind of rubs you the wrong way, I find it weird that you, you think that art style is like vanilla and off putting. Like it's a finely sculpted, beautiful 3D render and it was something you've never had before. Yeah, but that's also something I've had five games in a row. I mean, um, um, let me think here. I guess you had two of them on the DS. You had the one on the Wii, you had the one on the Wii U, you had Luigi, you had even as a... Yeah. I was fine with it as being like an addition for Mario Maker because mechanically there's additions like with the wall jumps and the little float jump. Yeah. But... Besides that, I don't really need any more in that art style. I, I just didn't like the feel of them. They, they were floaty and they didn't feel quite as as, as sticky mm-hmm. as I would have liked, even something compared to like Super Mario World, which... Well, I mean, it's hard to compare it to like one of the stickiest games of all time. It's essentially just that game with new graphics. Like it's supposed to just be a direct descendant of this game. It's, you know, it's not like 3D World it is a total departure and it's kind of Mario. Yeah, and like I said, I didn't I didn't play him enough. I didn't really give him enough of a, of a chance to really see its true depth. But just from the initial kind of experience and the the picking up of like a single level, it didn't really, like you said, it wasn't sticking with me. Yeah. And I'm hoping that giving it a, a fair chance will maybe change my mind. And also, it's got the multiplayer options, so it's a good sort of if I want some hectic chaos when I'm hanging out with the buds. Yeah. That's uh, another option to put in the Put in the rotation. Well, my brother Andrew and I played the shit out of the Wii version back in the day. Uh, and part of that was obviously platformers are just exciting and it's something everyone understands and the difficulty is very scalable. So it's, it's, and it's Mario, it's fun, whatever. But the multiplayer aspect is what made it like worth playing and 100%ing, which Andrew and one of his friends ended up carrying on that mantle and completing that game, but had a blast. And and then remember when the new one came on the Wii U, I was super excited, so I went out and bought it. Um, right after I got my Wii U, and I just it didn't it didn't click with me. Uh, actually, now that I think about, it, I didn't buy it. I got it for free as one of my Nintendo rewards. That's what it mm. was. Was it when they reissued it with the new Super Luigi U before the Luigi? But anyway, I, it just it never stuck with me. I didn't have fun playing it. I never got out of the maybe the second world, and so mm. I'm definitely not buying it on Switch. But I understand the appeal. Also, on principle, like I want 3D World. I think it's a superior game. I think it's top probably three game on Wii U. Like I don't know if that's a stretch. Like that's nah, top three. Oh man, that's tough. Smash, 
Mario Kart. Wind Waker. Does Wind Waker count? I would count it. It's a game you can play on the Wii U. That's true. And they did redo everything about it. That was a ground up. It was still a remake. It was. And they were very... It, it, they didn't reuse any assets, but... I don't think that is necessary for it to be a remake versus a remaster. Mechanically, the exact same. Visually, remarkably similar. They didn't really change the the gameplay. They just tweaked a little bit of the, the quests to make them less unbearable. That's true. That's true. But anyway, Super Mario 3D World, that, that's the Mario game that needs to be ported. And I'm shocked that this is the one they're bringing over. And I don't know if it's a sales thing. like Because objectively speaking, like how, how could they look at the two games and say like this one is better or this one's more fun than the other one? The other one reviewed better. I can almost guarantee you that the new Super Mario Bros. game sold better than 3D World. It was also a launch game. Launch game and 2D Mario games sell better than 3D Mario games. There's already a 3D Mario game on the Switch. They don't need another one just yet. I could see them re- re-releasing 3D World. like, And also, it's easier to put Deluxe on the title and just include both the DLCs, even or the DLC, even though they've already done that before. And it cost $30 on the Wii U and they made it a Nintendo Select, but mm, whatever. Again, I don't have the data, so I don't know what's what does and doesn't sell, but I'm like, you could have put 3D World Deluxe on there. And... No one buying a Switch knows a fucking difference between Mario Bros. Deluxe and 3D World Deluxe. It's like it's Mario on a really popular platform. Like it's gonna sell. It's gonna have a high yeah. attach rate. I don't. I just. I don't know. I think it's a combination of plugging up gaps and uh, having good optics and a good like pitch for how you sell it. Yeah. Like what's the marketing? Was how do you make consumers excited about this thing? Yeah. And there just haven't been long enough periods of like, well, what do we put here? in the Switch's lineup, even last year, which was a fairly weak year, especially compared to 2017. 2018 was not nearly as good of a year, but you still got Pokemon Smash at the end, and that kind of was, that was the anchor yeah. for the winter months. 2019 is looking really good for the Switch, man. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much that we don't know, and that, I think, makes it easier to be like, okay, yeah, this is really exciting. The more you know about something, the less excited I get. I, th- I feel like the... Li- because th- there are so many gaps right now, I think the directs are going to be really disappointing this year. Other than like the inevitable Smash character uh, roster updates, and even then those could be disappointing if the characters suck. But I feel like because we have all the tentpole releases theoretically lined out and tentatively, you know, 2019, these directs we're going to expect some big news, and it's going to be like Metroid's coming in three years. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to. We're not going to have any big breakout news for this year yeah and i think yeah a lot of the directs a lot of the information will be okay so this is what luigi's mansion is this is what the time period that's coming out is going to be here's a new mechanic here's the the story hook here's the the gimmick same with animal crossing same with fire emblem like those are the three big releases this year dude animal crossing and i think that everyone was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for Nintendo to fuck up last year, and they're kind of rooting for them to fail. Yeah. And when they didn't really succeed, they called that they saw that as a failure. Like, they just didn't really have a, a huge game like Mario or Zelda Yeah, last year. And everyone's like, well, Let's Go looks bad, and then Let's Go is good. And they're like, oh, well, it's not great, though. <laughs> you suck, Nintendo. And it's just really easy to fall into that kind of trap of expectations. So I feel like 2019 is going to be a good year just because we have things to look forward to, but we don't know anything about them yet. So when yeah. we do know things about them, we'll be like, okay, cool. I know more about the thing I want. I got to tell you what, man, I I am really worried about the next Pokemon game. 
after reading some of the comments about how, you know, oh, we really underestimated how difficult it would be developing for this platform, and we weren't sure how to the formula would translate to a home console. Yada There's yada yada. Higher than 500p? Is that what you're saying? You believe it or not? And <laughs> and so I got into it. You know, there was a discussion online about how people are like, Game Freak is a shitty developer. Pokemon was the worst thing to happen to them in a lot of ways because they just fell into this rut. They never had to sort of evolve and they continue, continually put out games that just don't work properly and don't follow the formula of what a modern game is. You know, I bitched about that with Sun and Moon and like X and Y. They, they just did these baffling things where it's like, have y'all ever developed a fucking game before? This is not hard. We've been doing this for 20 years. It's not hard to figure out. Yeah, it's kind of funny, especially since a uh, I would kind of consider them closer to a double A level uh, developer from Japan. Level five does what uh, Game Freak should be doing and has been doing it for the past like 10 years. Like yeah. Ninokuni and Ninokuni 2 are pretty much like what a modern day Pokemon game would look like. Or even the Yokai Watch, the new Yokai Watch game actually looks pretty decent. People are stoked on been, it. Like, I just haven't been grabbed by it because I don't have the nostalgia. I don't have the childhood with like the anime right. and stuff. Like Pokemon was such a, a pronged approach and it struck everyone. Yeah. And it took over the cultural zeitgeist for like a solid five years. It was just it's Pokemon huge. was on top. And it's just been coasting since then. Coasting at the top. Coasting at the top. Like, yeah, yeah like even drifting down a little bit, they're still going to be they're riding that cash cow. Yeah. And, you know, more power to them. They don't really need to reinvent it. They don't need to last Jedi it. But. I do Oof. agree that people are going to have really high expectations for what the next Pokemon will look like, and inevitably they're going to be let down. Just like they were surprisingly let down by Let's Go before it even came out, and then that didn't really matter because it was still a good game. So, I mean, I'm with you in that I want them to change and to upgrade the formula and not just keep making the same game over and over, but, I mean, it's sold every time, so I think that's an unreasonable expectation to have. I'm even okay with them. Like, like Let's Go was such a pleasant surprise because it fixed so many things that were wrong with the Pokemon formula and introduced some really fun new mechanics. It's always the quality of life stuff that goes the furthest. Yeah. And the Pokemon in the overworld, like those, like just make a Pokemon game with that exact formula. Like just do that. The graphics were beautiful and the gameplay rocked and it hooked you. And, and it didn't hurt that it was like a remake of one of my favorite games ever. In a game we all remember. Oh, yeah. No, that didn't hurt at all. Right. And it didn't hurt that there was only 150 Pokemon that they had to balance, like, have a balance exposing you to. And they didn't have to balance battling, really. They just gave, gave you the same battles from the OG Pokemon. I think they should quit trying to do, like, yeah, here's 800 Pokemon in this whole new region. Like, you should just start revisiting old regions. Like, go back to Kanto. Go back to Johto. But do a whole new story. You don't, you don't need all the Pokemon. Just do the original Pokemon with the Alolan forms. Go back and, you know, we, we don't, and I know that you have all these different generations you have to appeal to because what my nine-year-old brother is playing is not what I played when I was nine years old. And, you know, some people's favorite generation were Diamond Pearl when we were almost, you know, we were in high school, right? right? We we're juniors, seniors in high school, almost graduated. And they were like, no, no, that, that's not Pokemon. Diamond and Pearl, are you kidding me? Not to mention the weird growing pains of having sprites on a 3D rendered background. Right. And that kind of crap they're doing. Right. So it's like to appease those fan bases who appreciate, you know, one single generation, like you can do that. But I, I just feel like the whole, you know, look what happened with black and white. I'm having a stroke right now. They did black and white. They rushed it out. 
They had so much they had to do to try and fit all this shit into a game. They rushed it out. People fucking hated it. Of course, it's still sold because it's Pokemon, but anyone who was anyone who played it and reviewed it said, don't waste your time with this game. I've heard people say that Black and White are their favorite uh, generation. No, Black and White 2. No, they like Black and White more than Black and White 2. That's really weird. Everyone I've ever heard is like, Black and White was terrible. They basically went, they did Black and White 2, fixed everything about Black and White, and just re-released the games, and it was like, oh, this is this is a real game. Because they had the extra year on the dev cycle or whatever. And so that's weird. I've never heard a single person who's played Black and White say anything nice about it. That was the first Pokemon game in 20 years that I didn't get a single gym badge. I turned it on, walked around for an hour, and turned it off, and that was the end of my relationship with Pokemon. Because to that point, I played every game to completion, religiously, went nuts about it, all the way until, you know, I, I graduated high school. I don't know when Black and White 2. I remember my brother bought me white for Christmas because he was playing black. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing. He said, fuck this. And then Black White 2 came out and he got that and he went ham. He went like, he caught like 600 Pokemon or something and just went crazy. But, but, but anyway, I don't know. That game freak. The worst thing that ever happened to him was developing this hit and they didn't have to grow with the times. And so I'm worried about the next game. I'm worried about it. I don't know how many of the other sort of games that you've played by Game Freak, like if you've played any of those ones, but they've made some weird kind of kooky sort of indie vibe games. Kooky. In addition to their Pokemon outputs, like Tempo the Badass Elephant and uh, that card jockey, pocket card jockey game on 3DS. I haven't played any of that. But pocket they've, card they've done. What? Yeah, Pocket Card Jockey is like. It's a poker game where as you're playing, you're giving stats to a horse. So it's like a horse simulation where you're like breeding horses and then they're racing because the story is like you die and you like go to heaven, but then you have to take care of these horses. I don't know. I've only ever really heard about it and like checked out some screenshots, but it seems like one of those games where like people like it a lot. And it's like those one of those games you can't talk about without sounding like an insane person. But I mean... More power to him. I'm hoping that uh, town isn't as milk toast as it looked to me. People seemed excited about it, but I don't know where that excitement is coming from because I do not have any sort of excitement about that. So I can't, you know, empathize with it. It's got a really beautiful art style. It's a, it's sort of a classic cartoony JRPG feel. That's, you know, it's very nostalgic and, and comfortable for people. It's warm and and bright. And it's a gameplay loop that people figure they know what to expect, right? Yeah, but the way they sold it, I, I just don't know if they showed enough of what they were talking about, where you're staying in the one town. Like, what does that look like? Are you progressing the town in like a Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley kind of way? Or right. what does that look like? Are you just waiting for stuff? Is it just a, is it just Pokemon without moving around? Is it just like battles? Because that's like my least favorite part about Pokemon, so... Right, it's the most tedious, obnoxious part. Well, Pokemon wouldn't be successful if there wasn't PvP. And it's the only RPG that has that for some reason. Like, people do the monster collecting thing and they copy that aspect, which is, like, fun and it's part of it. But it's the me challenging you that makes that game fun. That's weird because I have... I could probably count on one hand how many times I have linked up and fought one of my friends in a Pokemon game. It's just weird that nobody else has copied that, you know? I, I, wouldn't, th- I wouldn't think that's the selling point of the game. Trading, I mean, yeah. that was why they made two versions. That was their selling point for that. See, that was always a, a means to an end of collecting all the Pokemon for me. Always. I don't think I ever battled anyone in the original generations. I, I may have done it in like fourth gen 
on the DS. I may I may have battled a few times, but I've never battled you in Pokemon ever. I'm pretty sure I battled you, dude. Maybe one time at like the zone when X and Y were out. I know you guys went hard on that, but I was over for like one night. I know everyone was trying to like min max and breed and do all these crazy things. Dude, that was never my game. And so I'm not saying that's not an important aspect of it, but it just anecdotally, I never did that. And none of my friends who played the game, I ever did it with. So it always seemed, you know, just ancillary to, to me, Pokemon is about catching Pokemon and training your party and getting to the end of the game. When you, you get into PVP, it's a whole different meta and it's almost not fun because it's like, you got to put in all this work to get like a perfect party. And then it's still just like RNG. Like, you know the formula to beat your opponent and you just hope that they don't get a crit or you hope you don't miss. That's never appealed to me. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Like, I haven't battled a lot, but it's like the fact that you can sort of changes the way I approach things. Like, yeah. I could easily raise up a party specifically for every gym leader. You know, I could make an electric team to take on Misty or whatever. But because I'm thinking about, oh, I want to have a balanced team. I want to have a balanced party then that sort of influences the way I approach the game in general. Yeah. I feel Even that. Even though it's never necessary in game because the game's incredibly easy. Isn't that funny how we do that? We're trying to craft the perfect party with, with balanced typing and... And aesthetic choices. And yeah. just like, oh, I like this Pokemon more than this Pokemon. Even though this Pokemon's strictly better or has a move that I would prefer to have. It's just like, I want to force this square peg into the round hole. Form over like square function. Peg. Yeah, dude. That's my fucking It's motto, the same bro. reason why people like uh, dressing up their character in RPGs and stuff, even though it's not the best equipment. Like, it's, I want my character to look cool. I want to look good, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. God damn. This podcast has just turned into us catching up and talking about games that we've played and just gone off the rails talking about clue finders and shit. I'm okay with it. I forgot we were recording for a while. <laughs> it was just yapping. It's a conversational, conversational medium. The conversation dude. crusade, dude. Civilization, I was really excited to buy Nick, and I just got to say, I played for about an hour, and I'm pretty disappointed with it so far, and I, I, I need to give it the old college try. I need to dive back in. And they've got that expansion or DLC coming out soon, right? Also? I have no idea. I think. We're up Pretty to sure. date here. Um, I was Something mostly just... Uh, weather? I was frustrated with the lack of... Like, I know Civilization. I've been playing Civilization since Civ 3. 15 plus years ago. How old am I? I'm trying to do the math here. I guess I was 10, 11 maybe. Um, Mm. So yeah, 15 years. And like, I know the game. I I played Civ 3, 4, 5. I played Civ Revolution. Like, I know the game. I don't need a tutorial or walkthrough or whatever. My problem is, is trying to figure out the UI and the interface. Nothing is labeled. If you drag your cursor over it, it doesn't pop up and say, this is the so-and-so menu and this does this and this does that. It's just a bunch of cursors and symbols that I don't know what they mean right off the bat. So mm-hmm. I spent an hour trying to just do a regular playthrough thinking, oh, I can jump in because I've been playing Civilization my entire life. And I get in and I'm like, how do I select this and how do I find and move here? And it's like, why is nothing labeled? Not a single thing is labeled. Is there a tutorial? Yeah, there is a tutorial, but I skipped it okay. thinking I don't need to learn how to play the game. Mm. I know how. But apparently, yeah, I wonder if that was. Um, I wonder if they have that in the PC version, and they took it out to reduce UI elements. That's what I'm or thinking. Or if they just assumed that, uh, hey, this is a new game, and you should play the tutorial because it's been, you know, a few years since you've played Civilization. That's still not good design, though. I mean, 
to not label sure, in any way, not even a hover, not even a like I gotta open things and press a bunch of. It's like it's just obtuse and turned me away from a game that like th- theoretically I shouldn't need to fucking play an hour long tutorial to like get my bearings. Yeah, there should at least be an option to turn them on or off as yeah. you see fit. It's not. Uh, it was the most intuitive thing. So I am gonna go back to it. I am gonna play the tutorial. I am going to learn this version of Civilization because I want it to become a thing where I can just hop in. I can play around while I'm watching TV with Sarah. I can play one scenario before bed, whatever, and it can be my go-to just dive in. Because I spent, oh my God, so many hours playing games like Civ, games like you know Age of Empires, games like Rise of Nation. Like having a fully fledged 3D version of this game on a handheld device is like my dream. So why was it so miserable? Like I just yeah. so I need to go back and see if I can get my bearings and quit being a, a ninny about it. Um, <laughs> you played Guacamelee, right? Back back when? Yes, I only played it multiplayer with uh, Andrew. Okay, in Austin. Okay, but that was a lot of fun, and we played for like eight hours straight. So I played a good amount of Guacamelee. Yeah, I bought the first one just because I felt like I should. I should go back to it but now that i've bought it i feel like you know what i kind of just want to play the sequel like i'm not a huge metroidvania guy i i pick and choose them and even those like by the end i'm like done for a while i'm like okay like and it is just sort of more of the same right like what would you need to pick up again from the first one it just it's just a it's like a i don't know for for completionist sake right yeah, I understand that that kind of compulsion. Yeah, I just want to play through one and two, but then it'll never happen. So it's also why I picked up South Park 1, even though I've already beaten that game and I have South Park 2. But I'm going to go back and play the first one before I play two. To completion. At least in that scenario, the first one's shorter than the second one. First one, I also think in some ways is better than the battle mechanics. I liked a lot better than the first one. Wasn't a huge fan of how they did it in the second one. It's that obsidian design. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Grim Fandango, have you played that? Yeah, I bought it when they remastered it on PC and had a great time. Cracked cracked open the old the old uh there's like an adventure game hint website where instead of just giving you the answer, they'll like they'll break it down like five different levels of hints. That's great. So if you get stuck, then you can just sort of be like, Oh, I need a because some of those puzzles are really obtuse and mind bottlingly like bad bottling so you kind of just want to i want to talk to the people i want to have the great dialogue that's it's so funny and like well written and well performed that i love that kind of shit and i have so much nostalgia for those games yeah those that because i associate it so strongly with the uh monkey island games as well because obviously same writer same company i've i've still got your save sitting on my uh my laptop man <sighs> yeah and i'll finish it i'll finish it next time i'm down there yeah because i got really far you yeah really far i napped and like Took a part of Joy-Con, and I lived a whole life while you played that game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's been 84 years. Right. (laughs) Me playing was just your Rose flashback from Titanic. Dude, I tried to do that with a coworker of mine at our work party the other day. He's a real little guy, and I'm a real big guy. But we were both pretty drunk and on a party bus, and there's not a lot of room, and so... You both tried to fit on the door. Is that what you're talking about? We were, no, I tried to do, like lift him up with and like go out. Like I'm the king of the world. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> oh, Yippee! Man. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. It's a wizard, dude. Uh, fucking Phantom Menace memes are always relevant. Love a good callback. 
I feel like we could talk Smash Bros, but I just want to dedicate one pod to it. And at this point, it's not going to be like a like we're pa- we missed the boat on like being relevant and current. Yeah, but at this point, also, it's going to become a, an ongoing meme where we'll just keep talking and talking, and we won't get around to Smash Bros every single week. I'm okay with that too. <laughs> but we both love Smash Bros so goddamn much. We've played it so goddamn much. You know why I want to avoid this topic is because in a lot of ways I am very disappointed with the game. Which, like, sucks. We talked about this, about how people get so invested in these games that inevitably when they're let down, they, like, take it personally, right? It's a reflection on them somehow. And, like, that's where I'm at. Where I'm like, dude, it fucking sucks that I'm bummed about the game. It's great to just jump in and have a fight. But I've gotten to a point in my life where, like, that... Like, I love the competition of games. But, A, I have gotten old and bad. So, like, that's, like, winning is not an incentive to play the game because I'm rarely going to win... If I'm playing you, I mean, I can kick the shit out of Max or Trevor any day of the week, but like, when am I playing with them without you? And I'm not going to beat you. I'm not good enough to be like, oh, I'm going to start figuring it. Like, I just, I do what I do and I just want to do that. And, but there's no single player incentive and the world of light is fucking trash. And the menus are obtuse and the online fucking sucks. And wait, which game are you talking about again? Are you talking about every Smash Bros game then? Dude, Smash Ultimate, the menu design makes me pine. For Smash Four, oh my God! People talk no, about Smash how bad 4 Smash Four awful. No, they they both have really bad UI. At least the Smash Four menu, like you could pick a direction and land on something. This one's a shitty here. wheel where you're like, I'm gonna go here. Nope, side menu comes out. It's fucking stupid. Here's the nice. Here's the nice thing though. There's only two good modes in Ultimate, and you know where both of them are. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. But so you're trying to get to a menu, and it's such a fucking chore. You don't have to go to a separate eight player Smash. That's all it. the eight player, four player, it's all in the same Smash yeah. menu. There are some quality of life improvements, and that's great. I'm glad. And when it gets down to the core of it, we have all the fighters, everybody's here, and the fighting is tight, and I can use a GameCube controller. Like the core of what Smash Bros. has always been to, to me is there. But again, why I play these games has evolved as I've gotten older. And mm-hmm. I think having the, 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 the single player elements missing, it really hurts it. And the world of light is like fucking bad. I spent maybe. Mm, two or three hours playing it and I'm not going to go back to it and that's fine but if it's someone in your case where you don't really have the kind of drive to play competitively like casual competitively the no. way that I've been playing with you know Max and Andrew and Jordan and Trevor then I totally understand you not enjoying it as much but also you weren't like super jazzed about a lot of the single player offerings in Wii U but I think it was a lot of that was just like you were living in town. So the times you were playing, it was a very casual setting where you're just doing four player with items and crap. And that's like just a fun party game. And that's a different kind of approach to it. It's a lot of things. It's a way, it's a game that can be approached in a lot of different avenues. And that's super interesting and great, obviously, because it becomes a Swiss army knife and you get sort of something for everyone. But if you're sort of missing out on all of those, then I can understand why you wouldn't have as good of a time. Yeah, this one compared to Wii U. If I lived in a place where I had, you know, a group, a play group, and we played regularly, like, like the other night at the work party, they had Smash set up on the projector before we went out, and I played a few rounds with like super casually, and that was cool. Like, cool. Like, someone brought their fucking Game Boy, hooked up to a projector, took three seconds, and we were playing Smash Bros on a fucking giant wall. Oh, That's it's weird. Cool. They could play Smash Bros on a Game Boy. I thought yeah. it was only available on the Switch. Isn't that crazy? I know, Leaf loves when I call it a Game Boy. Fuck you, Leaf. 
No, yeah. It, so it's like that's cool, but competitively, like, I, yeah, I, I'm not keeping up on it enough to come home and like have fun playing competitively. Like, I gotta kind of get back into that groove, and that's a lot to ask being a busy old ass man. I don't know, man. They say jack of all trades, master of none. Dot dot dot. But better than a master of one. That's how I look at it, bro. I'd rather they maybe cut the DLC. I don't need more characters. Cut the fucking DLC and give me some game modes that we want to play. Cut this world like crap out. Give us the one thing we've been asking for in single player, which is a a real uh I can't remember subspace emissary. You could do that, but well, because apparently that's not as good as I remember it. I don't know. Uh, but even things like where's Smash Run? That was a dope ass game mode. It had issues, could have been improved upon. But where's it at? Why is it just gone? Why did they just take it away from us? I would guess it was probably the same reason why they took it out of the Wii U version, and it's because the Switch is not just a portable console; it's also a TV console. So and what? You can't make a split screen version in a Smash Bros. game. It just would be too hard to make. It'd be. You have to worry about cameras. I mean, that's just a huge development ask. So make it an online-only mode. It's simple fix. This is only a game that you can play single-player or online. Well, why is that hard to do? Also, that game was really bad single-player. Smash Run wasn't good single-player. I you're loved just weird. it. I played it every I know, night. But you're just weird. You're the only person who thinks that. Well, because like I don't like ju- I don't like playing CPU battles. Like that's not fun to me. Like I, I might play one or two and just like, all right, that's Smash Bros. Smash Run is all CPU battles. You're running around a map fighting CPU robots and getting weird little bips and feeding your characters so you can run fast. And then sometimes you can't choose if you're fighting the CPUs at the end or if you're racing them or if you're climbing up a tower. Like it was that goofy fun stupid. for like a couple hours. But like you're talking about the first part isn't good and the second part isn't very good because you can't choose which part you like. Then the whole mode isn't very good. It could be fixed. It could be improved upon. But I don't think it could. Yeah, just strictly doing CPU battle after CPU battle versus like, oh, here's some action platforming and here's a different kind of combat and then it culminates in a battle, but you like collected these things so the battle is different every time and they took some of those aspects and put it in a world of light, but that's not fun because you have like 8,000 battles, completely random difficulty spikes and a bunch of obscure references that only fucking weird ass grandpas are going to understand. It's like, it's just not fun and it's like they're 40 hours long, like- that's what you spent the entire dev cycle doing. You spent the entire dev cycle making World of Light and pancaking Snake's ass. That's all you guys did in fucking three years, four years. And I'm being ungrateful. I'm being one of those fans that we always bitch about. And I'm sorry for that. And this is why I didn't want to talk Smash. Because I'm just bummed overall. And part of me, Smash 4 was so great because it had been seven years, seven and a half years. And this was the first HD Smash Bros. And it, it was like, it was a long time coming. It was a really great experience. Coming into this, we're barely four years removed. It's essentially the same game with some added characters. And it just felt like I just wasn't a meaningful enough leap. And there's not enough to keep me engaged. I'll always play it when I'm back with the boys. Like, I'll always whip that out. I'm glad I have it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, but to me, it wasn't a tentpole release. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this was the biggest release of the year. It was like. Oh, finally, we have like a Smash Bros to play. I'm glad. But that's the extent of it for me. And that, it's a shitty feeling to have, man. Only being okay with something. I think that's totally fair. But on the same, like, I don't really like Word of Light because I don't like the restrictions sort of arbitrarily placed on you where you start with one character and you're unlocking characters. Right. But I do like the spirit board. I think that's a really good 
single player mode. I don't know about if I like how it's implemented where it's kind of just random and they're time based. I think that's got weird like mobile gotcha game elements to it that I don't yeah. really enjoy. And the sort of leveling of your character, like the spirits is like weird. And I don't know if I enjoy, but I like that there's hundreds of bespoke battles and these really weird scenarios that are referential to the source material. I think that's fantastic and wonderful. And it's the best way for me to play against CPUs because I don't even like playing at CPUs normally. No. So that's, they're not going to make a good game mode out of that. Classic mode is entertaining just for like score chasing. And that's pretty much it. And the fact that they made these event modes basically, but they made 1300 of them is really cool. And I like that. It sounds way cooler in theory than it was in practice. And guess what? That's been the consensus across the board where they're like, thought this was going to be better than subspace. Nope. That's all single player in a fighting game. Like it sounds cooler than it is in practice, unless you have cool cutscenes, at which point you're just watching a YouTube video between fights. That's so why Smash did the most unique thing in a, in a quote unquote fighting game when it came to single player. Because you're right, single player in a fighting the game. Platforming, but the platforming is impossible to balance when all your characters have different jump physics and airspeed. And is it impossible? Jump like every, it's not impossible, but it's way too much work for it to be worth it. For 76 different characters? Are you fucking kidding me? No. This is one of those instances where I wish a, a die or, or a, a a really traditional Japanese studio wasn't working on this game because they are the the, the, the traditional Japanese mindset where they're like they're very like they're honing this craft and they're being very like meticulous and like the they're that studio in particular and Nintendo they're so out of touch with like modern games in a lot of ways and so it's like the things that they are meticulous about and spend all this time doing like if sony were developing that game what like playstation battle all-stars battle royale totally different because that game was just smash bros with a bunch of shitty characters and it wasn't even smash bros it wasn't good enough to be smash bros there's a reason why the smash bros hasn't been copied by a western developer and made with the platforming sections that quote-unquote everybody wants because nobody actually cares. They just want to have a party game to play with their friends. And then there's like a weird sort of subsection of those people that play it competitively. Like probably 1% it's of small Smash fraction. Bros players are playing like online and trying to get to Elite Smash or whatever and trying to play, you know, 1v1, no items, three stocks, seven minutes on these these stages. Yeah, like I that's agree. a very small subsect. So, and it's what it really boils down to is a couch competitive game like party game so it's hard to justify internally like okay we need to spend this much development time and have these many people working on a thing that nobody's really gonna care about in the long run we need to have people attached and coming back week to week and they can do that with spirits and they've shown that they've been doing that with spirits by having these weekend no one's coming back oh you get like mario crap and no one's coming back for that that's fucking stupid i mean Some people probably aren't some people, but it gives them a thing to talk about and say, Hey, if you come back and play smash bros, here's the thing. It isn't like, as long as they're talking about it, that's what matters. And they're trying to like dip into that, you know, weekly sort of active user kind of economy. Cause the more people keep playing it, the more likely they're going to buy the DLC, the more likely they can say, Hey, these are the numbers on our DLC purchases. Here's how many people signed up for the fighter pass. Can we green light another round of DLC 
between 2019 and 2020 or 2020, 2021. It's all like internal financials and stuff like that. No, you're, you're talking only a small subset of people. How many millions of switches and how many millions of copies of this game is sold? No one is checking on what spirit you can get this week or what, how many people engage like that's no one's doing that. Probably not, but they're, they're, they're trying, I mean, they're trying something out. I understand the logic behind it. I also wouldn't be surprised if they did something like uh, a Splatfest for like online stuff to try and drive people to play online more. Yeah, don't be fucking right now, started the on that. Player content is the spirits that abysmal online fucking system. They they can't do shit with online because we're still in a fucking alpha stage. It, online's garbage. I had a subpar experience with you. It wasn't unplayable, but it wasn't ideal. And then I spent two different days playing about three hours online with uh, both Max and Andrew and had. Really good results. Really? And I don't know what the cause of that is. I was playing at two different places, and both times I was having, like, there's obviously input delay, but it wasn't, like, nearly as bad as it was when I was playing with you. Maybe it's just a, huh. a distance thing and being on the same service provider or what have you, but yeah, I've had fair experiences with that, and then I only played a little bit of, like, actual matchmaking, and since they patched it and they made the algorithm more closely attuned to different uh, rule set requests it's been a little bit more i don't know enjoyable where i'm looking for 1v1s i've only had 1v1s i had one where it was two stocks as opposed to three and i had one where it was final destination as opposed to battlefield but beyond that it was just regular matches it was fine i didn't have like bad delay i didn't have like really choppy frame rate or anything like that i i don't know i've had a, a terrible experience with it and and do not yeah, want to it go seems back. like at the very least, it's, it hasn't been consistent across the board. Nintendo, aren't you glad you're paying for it now? Like, fucking Also, stupid. your internet sucks, so. <laughs> Dude, my internet's fucking great. My internet's fucking fine. Oh, well, I've heard it both ways. Um, I, I actually, like when we played the other day, I was perfectly smooth on my end playing against really? someone I knew, but it's when I get on to play with other people, it's their connections that are fucking bogging things down. Because if I play yeah. my brother, it's fine. If I play you, it's fine. I played Max, it was fine. Uh, it's getting on and playing strangers and matchmaking that things were just, a, it's a fucking wasteland. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I didn't have that happen. So maybe, I don't know. I just lucked out. <sighs> God. Maybe they're improving things, you know? Irritating that we're paying cold hard cash for it now. But I don't know, man. I, I don't mean to like be bitter and angry about Smash Bros. Like, I still, I love that loop given the right circumstances it's just i find those moments few and far between and even when i came home for christmas like andrew had people over every night playing and i just was like i couldn't be bothered to walk upstairs and play with people i just felt more like a chore i was like "Ah, it's just not gonna it's not very fun i don't know man i maybe that was just holiday funk i don't know what it was but i just the the game did not move me to play at all and like having bad initial impressions can sort of poison the rest of the experience obviously yeah but anyway i think we're about to we're about to wrap that up we're we're gonna talk soldier boy but (laughs) we're gonna fucking scrap that uh we're gonna be back with the news next (laughs) week it's been a slow news we get soldier boy selling ripoff consoles and carlton is suing epic like whatever it's been slow moving and as we go forward nick maybe we'll we'll craft how we want it maybe we'll do news every other week and you know I don't know, but something for us to figure out and for y'all to find out. Um, I obviously teased a couple of upcoming guests last week. 
Uh, I also have been in contact with my buddy Milo, who we've talked to a few times. Right on. And so it'd be cool to get him back up now that he's been at school developing games and stuff for the last six months or whatever. Three months, four months, I don't even know. Time flies. But yeah, Nick, I'm pitching this to you live right before we wrap up here. Perfect. Do you... My favorite. Do you want to recraft our Pocket Crusade idea? Maybe launch that this year? And maybe we could do one week of Pocket Crusade and one week we do Constant Crusade proper and we alternate. That way we're doing two weeks of news and we have a whole bunch to talk about. And we do these... Just tonight, just something to you know, just to play with. We throw that out there. We could. Uh, it just depends on how we implement it and what we would do for it, because it could it could easily spiral out into way more work than it would be worth. True. This is and true. And I don't I don't want to poison the interest from us. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because that's gonna definitely show in the product. Yeah. But I would be more than willing to. Play some GBA games with with my boy. We'll uh, we'll workshop it. Games with my boy. Hey, I was playing Golden Sun. We're gonna do that Golden Sun pod this year with Leaf. I I I remember my promise to you and said I gotta sit down and play. You said before the end of the year, and it is currently the beginning of the next year. I said I would play it before the end of the year. Not that we would do the podcast. You said you would beat it before the end of the year. If you want to go back and check the tapes, I did say that. You know what? I we compromise a lot of things. We met in the middle. I kept that <laughs> promise in mind. Did we beat it? <laughs> I kept that promise in mind. The middle between I, what you said and what you meant. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there, buddy. I thought of you though, oh. and I picked that game up and I played it laying in that bed. I played the fucking game and I've got thoughts about it, but I haven't beaten it. And you know You got past the, the prologue chapter? Yes. And listen, we we'll we'll have we'll get leaf on, we'll do the thing, and you guys can fucking grill me for it then. All right. Leaf rolled credits. Uh, well, yeah. So long ago. He's fucking autistic. I don't know. I got like 12 hours into Lost Age, and I don't think I'm going to play that anymore. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. If only there was some sort of way that I could tell you more about that. We had like an episode dedicated. All right. This is the Cosmic Crusade Podcast. I'm E.J. Olsen. This Durheim. Okay. I just said Snick Dick Durheim. <laughs> Snick Dick Durheim. <laughs> okay. Find us on the internet. ConstantCrusade.com. Find us on Twitter at console underscore crusade. We gotta be on our, our social media game. We gotta we gotta we gotta jump to it. Find Nick at press till death. Find me at ejiggle. Uh email us. Where can they email us? Feedback at consolecrusade.com. Boom. Right into us, you pieces of shit. Or I will reprimand you on the next podcast. I will do it. I will Good. spank you. Not in a sexy way. Not again. Okay. You will be disciplined. I, I hear me, you. You fucking heard me. Hear me, you, Nick. <laughs> this verbal spanking is already <laughs> so frightening. <laughs> Meow.